0: We started speaking last week about prayer and, um, and this series title, if this series had a title I think it would be um, Understanding Prayer, Understanding God Understanding Prayer, Understanding God Last week we looked at Elijah a man <clears throat> with a nature like ours, the Bible says and we learned four principles from him the importance of hearing God the importance of being obedient to God, the importance of being bold, and the importance of having confidence in God. So four principles that we learned last week from Elijah. Hear God, be obedient, be bold, have confidence. Hear God, be obedient, be bold, have confidence. So as we're speaking about prayer, what, what is prayer. Uh, Simply, prayer is the addressing and petitioning of God. The addressing and petitioning of God. A classic definition of Christian prayer stated in the Westminster Short Catechism says this, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. I'm going to say that again. This is in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. So let's see what prayer looked like right at the beginning. In the Old Testament, with the first book, the book of Genesis, God created Man and man had fellowship with God. They had fellowship together, God and Adam in the garden. Man walked with God closely and man heard the voice of God intimately until sin broke that intimate covenant relationship, direct relationship with God. What was once natural and enjoyable became unnatural and distorted. Adam breaks fellowship with God and he begins to hide from him. The, the one who he used to walk with and commune with and talk with, now all of a sudden he's hiding from him. He's naked and he's ashamed and he does not want to be in the presence of God. Then the first sacrifice is made. An animal is killed and tunics of skin are produced, in other words, clothes are made. So God clothes Adam and Eve in order to cover their sin and to cover their nakedness. And they are no longer ashamed and they come out of their hiding and they have restored fellowship with God because he clothed them. The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says this, biblical prayer is shot through with a recognition of the distance between the creator and the creature of human sin and of God's grace, the basis of a person's approach to God in prayer is never simply man's search for God, but God's gracious initiative, the establishing of the covenant and the promise of help and deliverance on the basis of that covenant. It is the covenant relationship that gives the warrant for prayer. It's the fact that we have relationship with Him that we can pray the bible speaks about god hears the prayers of the righteous but despises the the words of the wicked he 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 hears the prayers of the righteous for everyone who studies this topic of biblical prayer and i'm going to tell you it's it's very extensive when you look at prayer there are there are so many um different facets of prayer and so much so much to cover Um, So, it's important that we do this as a series and not just one message. If you hear one message on prayer, you're going to miss many things. So, um, everyone who studies the topic of biblical prayer, you cannot help but come across the ironies of prayer. Right, what do I mean? the, The ironies of prayer, God knows our needs, yet we must ask. God knows our needs, yet we must ask. God is ready to answer, yet we must patiently persist. He's he's ready to answer, but we must patiently persist. God never forgets his promises, yet he commands us to put him in remembrance of his word. He never forgets his promises, but he commands us to put him in remembrance of his word. Last week we looked at Elijah and we focused a little more on his boldness and confidence in prayer and in the Lord. But today we're going to look a little more closely at the God who answers prayer. The God who answers prayer. So let's knock out this uh, first question real quick. Should we pray? Should we pray? Matthew 6 and verse 5 says, And when... You pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, etc. But, and when you pray. Luke 18:1, men always ought to pray and not lose hearts. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6 and verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Colossians 4 and verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. John 14 and verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Psalm 50 and verse 15, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Matthew 6, 5 again, And when you pray. And when you pray, assuming that you will pray, and that you should pray. When you pray. So we should pray most definitely pray. But the question then is, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray often? Ask yourself that question. Why don't we pray often? And I would say perhaps it's because we don't have a balanced view on the sovereignty of God. Perhaps it's because we don't have a balanced view on the sovereignty of God and I believe that if we have an unbalanced view of God's sovereignty or a distorted view of it, then we will never pray from a place of true faith. So or perhaps we're, we're, we're hesitant to believe that we can somehow influence God. Perhaps we're hesitant. Do I believe that? Can, can I influence God? Does my prayers make a difference? So perhaps those are maybe some of the main reasons um, why we don't pray. So then the question, can we influence God? That's a, that's a very simple question, but that, that stirs up very uh, many emotions. Very simple question. But it stirs up many different emotions. And maybe I could have found another word to use, other than influence, maybe. Um, but I wanted to use that word. Um, and maybe it's the wrong word. But I don't think so. So, can we influence God? And perhaps you think that uh, the, the humble answer is is No. The humble answer is no, however, the humble answer would be to accept the the true answer. That would be the humble answer. The humble answer would be to accept the true answer. There is such thing as humility and there is such thing as false humility, right? One day during my um, spiritual growth class while I was in Bible college and I was 21 years old, and um, one day during the spiritual growth principles class, my instructor, he abruptly um, said, anyone and everyone in this room who is humble, I want you to stand to your feet right now. (laughs) And there were some chuckles, there was some murmuring and then some silence as people began to look around and no one was standing to their feet and then Suddenly, almost in slow motion, one person began to stand, two, three, four, or so people began to rise to their feet and stand. In, in a class of, it was a large class, this specific one, of maybe 150, less than 10 people stood to their feet, and then our instructor he uh, proceeded to um, to rebuke those of us who were humble but did not stand to their feet, and he began to rebuke us. And the ones who who were humble um, but did not stand to their feet, perhaps they thought that they were being humble by not standing to their feet. But in fact, that's what you call false humility. Humility is accepting the truths and receiving the truths of God's word and what he says about you. Accepting it and receiving it. And many people have a hard time with that. Many people struggle with that the Bible tells us in the book of Numbers 12 and verse 3 the Bible says now Moses was a very humble man more than anyone else on the face of the earth Numbers 12 and verse 3 now Moses was a very humble man more humble than any man on the face of the earth during that time isn't that powerful isn't that powerful do you know what's even more interesting? Do you know who the majority of scholars would say wrote the book of Numbers? Moses. <laughs> Moses. The, the, the humblest man on the face of the earth wrote about himself being humble. Very interesting. That is true, humility. What, what God says about me is true. What he says about me is true and humility would be to accept that and to receive that. And I believe that we make these mistakes with God's word all the time. People are constantly trying to defend God or people are constantly trying to make God sound better. They're trying to make him sound good or trying to make him sound better. People feel like they need to exaggerate God's truths Or even add to them in order to protect God somehow. God does not need your defense. Amen. God does not need you to make him sound good because he is good. All by himself. He's good. God, God is good. All by himself he is good. Even without your praise. He's good. And you cannot With your greatest and best attempts, you cannot make God sound better. He's absolutely perfect. He is perfect. So God does not need you to exaggerate his truths because you are afraid that if you don't, someone, somewhere will misunderstand his truths and abuse them. God does not need your protection. Now, God is sovereign, amen? God is sovereign, let me state that. God is sovereign. But what exactly do we mean when we say that God is sovereign? When I say God is sovereign, what I mean is that He is the supreme ruler. He is the supreme ruler, the highest authority. There is no one above Him. He is, he is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the author and the finisher Of my faith. He is above all, and everything and everyone is beneath Him. Let me tell you what I'm not saying when I say that God is sovereign. I'm not saying that God cannot be influenced by man. I'm going to say that again. When I say that God is sovereign, I am not saying that God cannot be influenced. By man. Now, I believe that it's very important for me to, to say that because I, I, I truly believe that some people are bipolar with their theology. And they're confused and they're always contradicting themselves with their belief systems. So, so why am I speaking about this today? Because again, I believe that you will never be able to pray in faith if you don't believe that you can ever influence God if you don't believe that I just don't believe that you would ever be able to truly pray from a position of faith if you don't believe that your prayers make a difference if you don't believe that you can have any kind of influence whatsoever on God then you will never truly pray from a position of faith and we'll be speaking about faith next week and we'll be speaking about unanswered prayers Next week, again, this is a whole series, so bear with me. But today we're speaking about answered prayer, and we're going to get to um, so many scriptures to get through today. So, so praying, praying according to God's will will cause influence. When you pray according to God's will, that will cause influence. If you delight yourself in Him, the Bible says He will give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in Him. If you abide in him, then what you will, you will receive it. As long as you are delighted in him, abiding in him, then he will give you the desires of your heart. But what happens is that when you're abiding in him, when you have delighted yourself in him, you're praying according to his will. The the key is delighting in him and abiding in him. So, praying according to God's will will cause influence. Every time. God's own desire and his will for some areas of your life sometimes will not happen without prayer. Some things will not happen without prayer. And I'll prove it to you from the scriptures. Many scriptures that we're going to go through today. Now remember, don't try to exaggerate God's word. Right? Don't try to exaggerate it. Don't try to, to, um, to add to it. Right? Let's keep it simple. And, and don't believe, this is what, don't believe that if a man can influence God, that somehow takes away from his sovereignty. Don't believe that either. So in an attempt to defend God and protect him, you have to believe that God has to be uninfluenced. By man. You're on. How are you guys feeling right now? Everyone feeling good? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully no one's feeling as awkward as I felt in the room when my instructor said, stand up if you're humble. <laughs> um, don't feel awkward. It, it's, it's okay. We're going to stick to God's word. For some people, that word influence, just so, just stirs up so many different kinds of um, emotions, that word. So, but no need, right? We're going to look to God's word. Amen? Amen? So, you know, before we get into the, um, the many passages that we're going to briefly go through today, you know, I believe that mankind has a responsibility to pray and to intercede in order for certain things to change. Just as I believe, with the same fervency as I believe, that mankind must preach the gospel to the ends of the earth in order for people to be saved. I believe that. I believe that. And some have a view that God himself will preach the gospel to those who we do not. Some may hold that view, that God will do that. Maybe, uh, but that's not my general understanding of Scripture. I believe that it is our responsibility and I believe that it was the pattern of our brothers and sisters in Christ before us that went to the ends of the earth and risked their lives to proclaim this gospel to dangerous areas they they felt it necessary to go to the ends of the earth to go to risky places they risked imprisonment and death to preach this gospel because they believed by the scriptures that it was necessary that they go to proclaim it. So in the same way that I believe that, I believe that we have a responsibility to pray and to intercede for certain things in order for things to change. The, the guy who believes that the gospel must be preached or people will die in their sin and go to hell, that guy will share his faith with so many more people than the guy who thinks God's got people. Whether we proclaim the gospel or we don't, God's got it. There's, there's a difference between those two guys. right? One takes the mandate upon himself and is obedient to the scriptures and says, I understand that, um, that God causes everything to grow. But the Bible says, one plants, another waters, God gives the increase. But I have a role in this. I am a co-laborer with God. I'm working together with Him. The guy who understands that, he will be so much more fruitful. And so much more um, intentional about his evangelism than the guy who says, God's got people. He's got them. I actually have a a friend who I went to school with. who, who just came out last week and said he no longer b- believes in the doctrine of hell. Um, shocking. Shocking. Um, saw him as a, as a faithful brother, but he no, he no longer believes that because love wins. He read this book by, by Rob Bell called Love Wins and influenced and shifted His perspective. So, God's got folks. God's got everyone. Gospel doesn't need to be preached. God's got you. So, there's a difference between those two guys. And again, it's identical with prayer. The guy who believes that he can speak to God and that his prayers have the potential to influence God and make a difference, he will pray more than the guy who does not believe that. the guy who believes that the sovereign God doesn't need us to pray or, or he is not influenced at all by us, that guy does two things. That guy either does not pray or he prays religiously. He either doesn't pray or his prayers are just out of tradition and routine and he prays religiously not from a place and position of faith. Proverbs 15 and verse 29 says, the Lord, the Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. And I don't want you today to minimize and diminish yourself to a position and a place where God Himself doesn't want you to be. I don't want you to diminish yourself and minimize your your role on the earth all in the name of being humble and you and you forfeit your position and the authority that God has given to you and the mandate that God has given to you to intercede and to pray all in the name of I'm um, just being humble 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14 says this: If my people 2 Chronicles 7:14 if 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 my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal Their land. Amen. Let me say again. If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. James 5 and verse... 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And we spoke about Elijah last week again. He was a man with a nature like ours. And the Bible says that he prayed. And it did not rain for three and a half years. Three and a half years. And it did not rain again, the Bible says, until he prayed. True story. Now, Elijah did not. Elijah did not influence the, the clouds. He didn't set the clouds back. He, didn't, he spoke to God, and God did it. Are you following me? He spoke to God, and God's the one that did that. I, I'm going to share um, scriptures now about God answering prayers. And that's it. And we're just going to go through... Um, Many scriptures here, and then we will conclude. God answers corporate petition. God answers corporate petition. Deuteronomy 26, verse 7 and verse 8. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. Exodus 2, 23-25 Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. They were in bondage for 400 years. And maybe they could have been in bondage for 100 years. Maybe they could have been in bondage for 250 years. There's nothing significant about 400 years. Maybe they could have been in bondage for 500 years. But my understanding from the scriptures is that when the people began to cry out to God, God responded. They they cried out to him and God heard them and he responded. So generations had... Come and, and died in their bondage without crying out to God. But there was a generation, there was a generation that remembered God, that saw their bondage and said, Enough is enough. And they called upon him and they cried out to him. And God heard them. And he sent to them, as you know, Moses. Exodus 3, 7-9, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. God answers corporate petition. Numbers 20 and verse 16. When we cried out to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent the angel and brought us up out of Egypt. Now here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your border. 1 Samuel 12 and verse 8. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. Amen? God answers corporate petition. Next, God answers prayer for healing. We have four categories here. The first one, God answers Corporate petition. Next one, number two, God answers prayer for healing. James 5:14 through16. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Again, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Numbers 12, 10 through 15. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, in which we have done foolishly. And in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days. And afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again but she was healed. She spoke against Moses so God made her leprous but then Aaron cried out and said, please pray for her. So Moses did and as Moses prayed and spoke to God on her behalf, what happened? God Healed her. First Kings 17, 21 and 22. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray let the child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. Second Kings 4, verse 32 through 35. Same thing happens. A similar thing happens with Elisha. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. 2 Kings 20, verse 1 through 6. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. He, he received um, instruction that said he's, he's about to die. Instruction from the Lord. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart, and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord. The God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake, and for the sake of my servant David. Matthew 8. 2 and 3 and behold a leper came and worshipped him saying Lord if you are willing you can make me clean then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying I am willing be clean be cleansed and immediately his leprosy was cleansed Acts 9 and verse 40 but Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body he said Tabitha arise just as he saw Jesus do before to a young girl He said, Tabitha, arise, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Answered prayer for deliverance from enemies. I'm giving you scriptures on purpose. Let God's word speak. The Bible is full of examples. I'm not giving all of them to you today, obviously no. But I want you to understand how extensive the the Bible is full of Old Testament, New Testament stories of, of God hearing his people and moving on their behalf. The Bible is full of that. So I want us to be on the same page as a church and get to a place where we understand, man, let me pray. And, and by the way, you are the righteous in Christ. That's you. You are a saint in Christ. That's you. So when you understand, that's me, you understand God hears. He does. I, I align with him. I'm in tune with him. I'm abiding in him, delighting in him. Man, I'm praying according to his will. God will be influenced. Amen. Answer prayer for deliverance from enemies. I just have a few here. 1 Samuel 12, 10 and 11. Answered prayer for deliverance from enemies. 1 Samuel twelve ten and 11. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubabel, Badan, Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. Judges 3 and verse 9, When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel, who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Judges 3:15. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, The son of Gerah, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. The book of Judges is full of this. Full of statements like that. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer. The book of Judges, read it. I've spoken before about the cycle, right? They would be in bondage. And then they would get sick and tired of being in bondage and they would remember the Lord. Ah, God. They'll remember him. Then they'll cry out to him. Then God would hear them and send a deliverer. And they'll be free. Then they'll forget God and go back to their old ways. Then they'll be in bondage. Ah, then they'll remember God again. Then they will call upon him. God would answer. He would send a deliverer. This is the cycle of the book of Judges. When they cried out, every time they cried out, God sent a deliverer. All of the judges that you will read in the book of Judges, they were deliverers that came on God's behalf to set the people free. Finally, God answers prayers. God answers prayer for others. God answers prayer for others. First Samuel. Seven, eight, and nine. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Acts twelve, five through eight. And we'll end with this text here. Acts 12, 5 through 8. Peter was therefore kept in prison. And we may, as we're studying on prayer, uh, focus on, um, I may do a message on on Acts 12 alone. But for today, Acts 12, 5 through 8. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, That night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow Me. And what's interesting here is that Peter then goes to the um, house where they were having the prayer meeting, and when they see him, they say, ah, this is impossible. (laughs) But they're in there praying for him. Right? They're they're literally praying for him at the same time. they, they, They gather a prayer meeting for him, and they're literally praying to God and interceding for him, and while they're praying and interceding, in the spirit, God is moving, and he sends an angel. And listen, may that be encouraging to you. When we pray, stuff like that happens that we don't get to see. But stuff is happening, right? God told Daniel, said, you know, from the the moment that you prayed, from the day that you prayed, from the hour that you prayed, I heard you. The very moment, right? But the prince of Persia caused a delay, a 21-day delay. Right? There was a delay for the, for the answer to come. There was some spiritual warfare that had to take place. But from the day that Daniel prayed, his petition went up. So when we pray, things are happening in the spiritual, in the supernatural. When we pray... As I conclude here, I want to make this this point uh, very clear that God cannot be and will not be manipulated by His creation. Just want to make that clear. okay? God cannot be and will not be manipulated by His creation. However, God has opened a door of fellowship and relationship where He allows us to have influence as it is according to His will. Amen? God being influenced by us shouldn't be a strange thing. God is so secure. He's he's so secure. And this is the kind of relationship that He's established. This is the way that He wanted it to be. That's why it's this way, because He created it that way. So again, take your rightful position in prayer. And don't cower and be afraid to pray and expect things all in the name of humility and being humble. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads, please. God meets our needs because He's influenced by us. He sees our need and He meets it. He's moved with compassion for us. When Jesus wept, he was influenced. He takes care of our needs because he cares about us. The greatest way that God was influenced by us was in the fact that he saw our sin and recognized that we needed a savior. He looked at us and he saw our sin and our mess and our brokenness. And he knew that we needed a Savior, so he sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth not for himself, but he came for us. He came in response to our sin. He came in response to our brokenness. And he said, these people cannot help themselves. These people are lost they're lost, they're broken, they're empty. And I am the answer for you. Because of your sin, because of your disobedience, because of your rebellion, what you deserve is you deserve eternal damnation. Hell was never created for people, it was created for Satan and for his angels, never for for people. But those who reject God and say, I don't want to be... With God, I want to have nothing to do with God. God would be unjust to force a person like that to be in his presence for all eternity. So hell was never created for people. It was created for Satan and for evil. But those who reject him, he has no choice but to send them to that place. God has made a way through Jesus Christ. And he says, for anyone who believes in me, for anyone who believes that they are a sinner, that they have missed the mark that they deserve punishment for their sin. But they acknowledge that I have come. In their stead, I lived a perfect life. I was without sin. The, the, The proof is that when I died, I rose again on the third day because death had no power over me. Death could not hold me. Death had no rights over me. Death has rights over you and I, but it had no rights over Christ. That's why he rose again. And he said, listen, if you believe in me, if you believe that I rose again for you, then you can have eternity with me in heaven. You can live with me for all eternity. So for those who are here, for those who are listening online, God has made a way for you. And I want to encourage you today. I plead with you today right where you are, to call upon the name of the Lord. To ask him to save you and he will do just that. Father, we thank you, we bless you and we love you. We thank you for your word, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for our time together as a church. And we thank you, Lord, that you hear the prayers of your people. We thank you again that Jesus came in response to us. We thank you that he rose victorious and we thank you, Lord, that now we have covenant relationship with you. We have access to you. Now we can pray to the Father only through Jesus. And now we can come boldly to the throne of grace and we can obtain mercy. Thank you that we have access to you. Father, may we receive that rightful position that we are seated with you in heavenly places. That we can speak with you. Speak to you, commune with you, that you hear us, that you answer our prayers. I pray that every individual in this place would rise up today to that position, that position of faith and of expectation in prayer. We love you, Lord, we bless you, and we give this service and we give the rest of this week into your hands in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. And amen.: We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at the WayCitychurch.org.